Hi, I'm Jay John. Welcome to Facing the Canon. My guest on the program is Justin Briley, host of Unbelievable. Justin, welcome to Facing the Canon. Oh, thank you, Jay John. It's so good to be with you. Thank you for joining us. Now, oh, there's a lot of things I'm going to ask you, but tell us first about your own faith. Were you brought up as a Christian? I was brought up in a Christian family, though, of course, everyone has to own their faith for themselves. And for me, it was around the age of 15 when I would say I really became a Christ follower. Up to that point, going to church with my parents, but it was really through a youth pastor and a youth retreat especially, when suddenly God came alive, things just fell into place. I'd say I had an experience of the Holy Spirit, actually, which just brought faith alive. I wanted to go to church, read my Bible, pray. And that was where things started off for me. So, so I was fortunate to be raised in a Christian family, but that was when things came open for me. Where did that encounter happen? It was on a youth retreat in um, near Northampton, which is where I grew up. And uh, it was really in the context of a peer group, you know, other young people my age, but where we were really being encouraged to press in to God and to, to make this faith our own. And, and for me, up to that point, as I say, faith had been something I'd sort of inherited, if anything, from my parents. But at that point, something clicked inside me. The world came alive in, in a new kind of way. Having said all that, it didn't stop there being significant challenges, doubts along the way, because it was not long after, a couple of years after that I went to university, quickly ran into all the typical objections and skepticism there. And so that was part of the thing was, it started with this experience, but, but the intellectual side had to catch up soon after. How would you describe what you do now? I am all about helping Christians and non-Christians to think about faith. Um, so that's in a sense to use the intellectual part of who we are to encounter God, because very often churches do a wonderful job of bringing people into an experience of God, into helping people engage faith with their heart, but not always such a great job of the mind as well. And, and we're told to worship the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength and mind. And for me, that's, that's where God has been bringing me into ministries, is to help Christians think through their faith, uh, non-Christians to explore the claims of faith. So I've been trying to do that through podcasts, radio shows, books, events, all kinds of things. It's about ultimately trying to help people connect faith with science, philosophy, history, culture, show that actually Christian faith makes sense of all of these things, not just our own individual lives. So really you're an evangelist. I am. Apologist. Uh-huh. And an evangelist apologist through particularly media in a variety of different ways. Yeah, and, and even to the extent that uh, always being open to new things, having done podcasting for a long time, just about a year and a half ago, my teenage son persuaded me to join TikTok as well. Um, TikTok is this short form video content and it's become wildly popular, especially with, with young people. So, so I now even do these sort of one minute thoughts on God, culture, life, that sort of thing. Um, and it's amazing to see the way people respond, actually. There's, people often think that, you know, it's really hard to reach people these days, but actually sometimes we're just not in the right places and maybe not speaking in the right language. And for me, that's, that's always exciting when you suddenly see fruit, because actually it turns out there are people willing to engage and listen. It, you just need to be where they are and speaking their language. What did you study at university? Politics, philosophy and economics. 
Um, I quickly dropped the economics because I'm terrible at maths, but I did enjoy the philosophy and the politics. Indeed, the philosophy in a way has really served me well for what I do now because a lot of the discussions and debates I'm involved with on my unbelievable show are quite philosophical in nature. And it really just helped me to develop critical thinking skills. And that's often lacking, I've found, in some Christian circles. But actually, there is a huge intellectual tradition in Christianity. And, and that was part of what I encountered through doing my degree as well. So how did you go from graduating into broadcasting? Well, I met Lucy, who's my wife now, um, at university. And we decided to take a gap year before going on into adult life, jobs, houses, children, that kind of thing. And we went away to Namibia. We took a gap year with an Anglican charity and we were placed together. And while I was out there, the, uh, the director of the charity came out to visit us and said, I've just had an interview on Premier Christian Radio. And I said, oh, uh, I hadn't heard of that up to that point. Anyway, I was looking for something to do. I wanted to do something perhaps in journalism, something creative. And so I sent an email from Namibia, of all places, back to uh, Premier Christian Radio in London. And um, that developed into a, a job when I got back and I started learning the ropes of broadcasting, uh, became a co-host on The Breakfast Show eventually, and eventually was given the opportunity to start my own show. And that's, that's where Unbelievable was born. And as you look back, Namibia, how, what was the experience like there? Just extraordinary. Uh, in a way, uh, we have a love affair with Africa, Lucy and I, because we made so many great friends in Namibia. It's an extraordinary country, beautiful. Just if you ever get the chance to visit the Sosafle Desert, uh, just the most extraordinary dunes that you can see there, a wonderful national park, Itosha. But the people, um, those were the people we, we loved and spent our lives with. We were teaching in a school. Uh, Lucy was helping in the church. Uh, it's right on the border with Angola is, is where we were. And that meant there were a lot of, unfortunately, kids who were perhaps partially maimed because of the civil war that was there. So we saw a lot of that, but also incredible love and generosity and just the openness of everyone we met. I mean, it's a cliche, but we learned more going there than we could ever have given. Uh, and, and that was a, a wonderful experience. And, and great experiences to take Absolutely. into your studio. Yeah. And, and I, I would encourage anyone who ever gets the opportunity to just get out of the Western bubble to do it, because it gives you a sense of actually this extraordinary world that God's given us and the variety of people and cultures that exist. But what I think I most realised from that experience was the way that Christianity speaks to every different culture. Uh, when I was sitting, you know, in you know the the, the rendezvous of a, a local village elder, but who had come to Christ, it was extraordinary the way they could still be who they were, their tribal background and everything, but the transformation of the gospel also had this extraordinary effect, so that they were no longer perhaps doing the things that actually weren't so good for their culture, such as um, multiple wives and so on, which didn't actually wasn't wasn't actually helpful for the women in those in those situations and for me that was an example of the way in which um, the gospel doesn't crush the cultures in which it comes to but it actually transforms and enables and uh, unlike almost any other religion or worldview I think it, it has this ability to adapt itself to every part of the world. Absolutely uh, you, you mentioned it uh, the word unbelievable <laughs> and uh, you have this wonderful book which I really enjoyed Justin very much well just expand a bit more how did you come up with unbelievable like for example 
Why didn't you call it believable? <laughs> well, that's a good question. I mean, we did add a question mark at the end. We're asking, is Christian faith unbelievable? That was the whole point of the show that I began ooh, 16 years ago now, because I wanted to have a space where we could ask difficult questions. I was aware that a lot of the time, Christians can end up just talking to Christians about Christian things, and it's good. We need to encourage each other in that way. But a lot of us spend a lot of time with non-Christians, and I wanted to model a place, a time when we could uh, show what conversations might look like that bear good fruit. And so we, we called it unbelievable with a question mark because we wanted to ask, is it actually unbelievable? Uh, and what I've discovered in all the years of doing the show is that actually Christian faith is very believable. In fact, far more believable than any other worldview I've been presented with, including atheism. And a lot of the shows have been engaging with various atheist protagonists over the years. And what I quickly came to realize is that they've got their own truth claims just as much as Christianity has. And the question is, whose worldview makes the most sense of the evidence we actually have around this? And I've, I've found that Christianity stands on its own two feet intellectually every time. And you've done a lot of different things, uh, including broadcasting programs, also a conference, mm -hmm. which I had the privilege you of did. speaking at yeah. once as well. Um, just, just tell us what you're currently doing under the banner of Unbelievable. Well, it's, it's been an exciting time. There's been a lot of additional things that we've been doing recently. In fact, we've just launched re really as a, a new apologetics, theology and evangelism ministry, uh, now under the broader banner of Premier Unbelievable. So we've got a website for that, premierunbelievable.com. So what began just as a radio show and then became a podcast and video show, conference book and so on, we now have other podcasts and resources that we're producing. So I, I do a regular sit down with N.T. Wright, Tom Wright, yes. uh, and the Ask N.T. Wright Anything podcast. Uh, we have a special C.S. Lewis podcast with Alistair McGrath. We've recently launched uh, a new podcast I host called Unapologetic, where we sit down with thinkers and evangelists and and, and it's just a wonderful way we've found, especially podcasts and videos, to reach so many people. Uh, because you can reach so many people, obviously, in church on a Sunday, and that's wonderful. But where are people the rest of the week? Well, quite frequently, they're in the car, they're listening to a podcast, or they're on their phone watching a YouTube video. So we're trying to reach all of the Christians and non-Christians in that digital sphere, as well as producing now online courses where people can perhaps go a bit deeper and, and learn how to share and defend their faith with confidence. So there's all kinds of resources that we're, we've developed and are continuing to develop. So, so the ones with um, Tom Wright, mm. N.T. Wright, a great friend of ours. Yes. Uh, what kind of subjects, topics have you covered? All kinds of issues. Tom is one of the most extraordinary people, I'm sure you'll agree, yes. uh, because he has this extraordinary academic pedigree, but he's also incredibly personable. Absolutely. And able to communicate. Um, just so so winsomely to people. And, and I it, that's why the, the podcast has been so successful is because Tom is able to bring everything together in, in that kind of way. Yeah, it is amazing, isn't it, mm. Justin? I mean, if we think, you know, 20 years ago, none of these resources mm. were available, mm. were they? Mm. And now there's this bank yeah. of material that not only to help Christians reinforcing their faith, but to help anybody on their journey of faith. Yeah. And, and what, what I'm finding is, um, I mean, books are still wonderful. And I think if you want to get really in depth and have that kind of something meaty, yeah, go to a book. But actually, it's so quick to produce a podcast yes. or a video. 
um, a book will take at least a, a year before you see, uh, you know, from writing it to it being printed uh, coming out. Whereas you can get a podcast out there, you know, Absolutely. so quickly. And frankly, you will often see, you know, if it goes well and if you get a big audience, many more people potentially listening or watching yes. than will ever read a book. And and so I think that's that's obviously the direction in which we're going. Um, I, I do want to say, though, it, I want people to read as well because there's something about reading that's a bit different to listening or watching. But, yeah, we've got amazing technology, I think. Yeah, but one of the great things is that we may hear a particular conversation mm. that, say, for example, you've had with Tom Wright or Alistair McGrath or whatever, and then you think, actually, I could send the link to that mm. to yeah. somebody. Yeah. And, and we sh shouldn't be reticent about doing that. Yeah. And I've done that with a number of people who mm. are on their journey of faith. Yeah. And they've always appreciated yeah. the fact that I took the time to send them a link and, and simply say, hi, I've just heard this. I thought you might be interested in hearing it. Yeah. Yeah. Why do you think so many of us, Justin, seem to have taken literally what Jesus said to three disciples, see that you tell no one? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a great question. I think a lot of Christians feel, don't have a lot of confidence, essentially. Um, and I think that's partly because we've had a message broadcast to us a lot of the time, which is that faith is irrational. Faith, you know, is fairy tales, as Richard Dawkins would call it. And, and a lot of people feel nervous about speaking up because they feel like, well, what if I do get asked tough questions? And, and what if people do ridicule my faith and so on? Uh, and, and, and so part of the problem is, is just that Christians, I think, duck the issues uh, or they'd rather not have the difficult conversations sometimes. And what I've been trying to help Christians do by modelling the kinds of conversations we have is not to say you need to have all the intellectual answers or you need to get a PhD in apologetics before you, it's just to say have a go actually and actually just having the conversation whether or not you think it goes well is half the battle. Oftentimes uh, you know we'll, we, we will run into a question that we don't need an answer to and that's fine. It's fine to say I don't know but go away look it up, look into it, and come back and continue the conversation. Don't, you know, rather than not having the conversation at all, which would be a tragedy. So I, th I think that for me, that's, it's, it's about restoring confidence. And part of that is rediscovering the intellectual tradition of Christianity. It's amazing when you simply look into a little bit of history, how many of the, the great scientists and philosophers and thinkers down the ages have had the Christian worldview as their, yes. their, their guiding you know, star. And, for me, um, it's it's about us recovering that in the church, saying it's wonderful to sing songs and you know to, to to have those heartfelt experiences. But we also need what those church fathers gave us and the gospels gave us this real intellectual core of Christianity, because it's then that you bring the heart and the mind together. You've Absolutely. got something dynamite, you know. Some years ago, Justin, there was a classic book by John Stott, mm. "Issues Facing Christians Today." What would you say if a book was written like that today mm. are the issues that are facing Christians today? I think there are several issues that have probably changed um, that have come more into the fore since John Stott wrote that book. Um, one, one of them would simply be that there has been in recent years a more aggressive, dogmatic form of atheism and scepticism. Um, to some extent, e even when Stott wrote that book, there, there was still a sort of 
cultural appreciation of Christianity, a sort of acceptance that it was there in the background. Most people would have some familiarity with the Bible or church. You can't take that as, as a given nowadays. And, and if anything, people may well have had their opinions of church shaped by Richard Dawkins or the New Atheism. So you've got that to start with. Um, and so a lot of the people I meet are, are almost off the bat, uh, if they're you know pretty skeptical, sort of believe that religion's not just wrong, but it's evil. Uh, and so you're often facing that kind of an issue. And so that's one place in which you need to start what, you know, the whole question of is, is religion good for us? Uh, that might be the first, the first issue. And of course, you've got all of the big hot button cultural issues of the day, um, sexuality, identity, gender, and so on. I think these are issues that are dividing people in culture and they're issues that the church is often, again, uh, reticent or nervous to speak up because they do divide people. But I think we have to we have to be able to face those and talk about them openly. And we may not agree on everything, but at least we're we're coming to a position where we know what we believe and why we believe it. And I think that alone will help Christians. And more than all of that, though, is is just helping Christians with the tone in which they engage with all of that, because you know the the motto of of what I've been doing for years has, has always been First Peter three fifteen, always be ready to give an answer to anyone who asks you about the reason. For the hope that you have, but but do this it. Is, this is the bit people this forget. Do it thing. with gentleness and, and respect. respect. And for me, that makes such a difference. Yes, you, the the first bit you can kind of scrap it if you don't do the second bit because it's the way you say things makes such a difference to the way people receive it. So yes. for me, it's it's as much about giving people answers. It's it's actually about helping them do that with grace, with truth, but with grace, with respect. And, and that can transform a conversation. Yes, and it is picking up the word tone. It, it is grace, but don't dilute the truth. Mm. So it's somehow, isn't yeah. it? Holding yeah. those grace two together, truth. grace yeah. and truth. It is, absolutely. And, and Jesus was all about grace and truth. I mean, if you want a model of how to do that, it's it's when he you know, is confronted with a woman caught in adultery and everyone is there to stone her. And, and he obviously, sort of diffuses the situation in that incredible way he, he was able to do and says, those who are without sin cast the first stone. But that doesn't mean that he's said, oh, it doesn't matter. He says, go and sin no more. There's a sort of, there's the grace, but there's the truth. It's it's when those things come together that you have something transformative. So for me, that's that's a really important lesson for Christians to to speak winsomely, to speak graciously, to to understand where people are. And so often, when I do see, unfortunately, apologetic or intellectual debates online, they can be conducted without, with a, the truth at the centre, but not much grace. Yes. And that's a problem because you can win an argument and lose the person. Yes. And uh, what we want to do is win the person. And to some extent, if we win the argument, great. But actually, people are going to be more concerned in the end with the way we treated them than whether we kind of got our three points out and you know, sure. scored, scored a victory. Uh, as you said earlier, Justin, uh, to, to know what we believe and why we believe it. Why, why do you think many of us who are Christians within the church don't know why we believe it? <laughs> yeah, I, I think there's been a failure, if I'm honest, for maybe a few decades now to, to, to do what would have been called in olden times catechism. Yes. Simply teaching people the basics of Christianity. 
the creeds, uh, the, the core beliefs, if you like. And, and that, if you like, was a given, especially in the early church. If you wanted to become a member, be baptised, you had to go through this, this, this catechism. And I think today, perhaps it's because we've wanted, you know, we've been concerned at decline in church numbers and perhaps, you know, we, we've tried to sort of make everything a lot easier. And there's nothing wrong with obviously being a welcoming, inclusive place where you can, people can soon find a home without having to know about Christianity. But at the same time, perhaps we've gone a bit too soft when, when people are then being brought into the church to sort of not, you know, adequately prepare them for, for what it is that they actually believe, what it is that they're, if you like, um, affirming. And the, the Christian, for me, one, one of the great joys of being a Christian is that you live in a particular worldview, a, a way of looking at the world that is different to the culture, that is different to the scientific materialist view of the world, that is different to a, a Hindu or Muslim or any other kind of worldview. And, and it gives you, uh, that's not to say that our, our trust is in just a set of doctrines, because uh, uh, what breathes life into that is Jesus Christ, the living word. But at the same time, when we know what it is that our faith stands for, it, it's a wonderful way in which we can then go confidently into the world and address the issues when they come to us. So I think we just perhaps need to do a better job of, of doing that, that job of creatively, but um, hope, hopefully in a, in a way that really fills people with, with hope and joy and a sense of confidence. The, the core truths of Christianity, teach that again. Don't just, you know, let's do, let's, let's do the things that we enjoy, you know, the, the quiche and the cake sales and the, everything else that's part of church life. But let's not forget to educate ourselves as well. Absolutely. You mentioned earlier on, Justin, about us telling our story. Mm. How do we communicate our own story and communicate that? How do we communicate it simply and clearly to others? I think it's really important to, to know your story. So very often people know their story in the sense that they, they can remember what happened to them, how they became a Christian. But if they've never written it down or told anyone, when they actually get the opportunity to share it, they might find themselves tongue-tied. So I think there's absolutely no shame in literally writing it down or having a go at telling someone maybe who's a sympathetic here, you know, what your story is. And because ultimately that that will help us to think through our own story. And yes. Think, actually, well, what, what did happen to me? Why why did I end up believing? Yes. And and, and there might be some gaps in that story. There might be some things where, where you're thinking, actually, well, I'm not sure I, I know that I came to believe, but I'm, I'm not sure exactly how I could justify that belief to someone else. And as you go through that process, I think it's just a case of, of, of being able to, to tell your story confidently when the moment comes. So yes. that, and it doesn't have to be special. It doesn't have to be a Paul on the road to Damascus, no. you know, knocked off his horse, a blinding vision. It can be something as simple as my wife's story, which is just that she felt the presence of God from a very early age and she always knew God was there. And it just became sort of crystallised over time to the point where she knew who Jesus was and that she wanted to live for him. Um, I had a slightly different story, as I said. It was like a sort of a bit of a more of a wham-bam moment where suddenly everything, but that's my story, that's her story. E each is equally valid. Um, and the question is, when someone then asks you uh, about that story, they might ask you some more follow-up questions. For instance, when I got to university, I was able to tell people what happened to me. But some of them said, well, that's not my experience, Justin. Great that you had that experience, but what about 
you know, me, I, I, I can't see any evidence. Maybe you, it was just all in your imagination. And that's where you might then want to move on to other issues. But that if, if, if your story is essentially something quite subjective, it happened to you, it didn't happen to the other person, there might be things you can share about the world around us that do at least you can both agree on, you know, well, where did it all come from? Um, why do we believe in truth, beauty, justice? Those sorts of issues. And that's where you're then moving into what's more traditionally been called apologetics. It's, it's saying, look at the evidence around us. Is it pointing in a certain direction? Is it pointing to a kind of atheistic worldview where there's really no ultimate purpose to anything? Or is it pointing to a world which seems to have been created for us and where we're to live in relationship with the one who made it? And for me, that's the beauty, bringing your story plus being able to answer those kinds of questions. It's, it, can, it can be a really, really good conversation. Which taps into history, his, his story, Indeed. I know, which yeah. is the story we want to tell. It's like our story opens the front door, but we want to tell his story. And, and that's where I'd say you always, you know, for me, I'd always be wanting to finish the conversation or land the conversation in Jesus. That's if you can lead someone anywhere, don't just lead them to an intellectual argument or, you know, some great argument about the universe. Take them to Jesus because that is that that is always the place where you will find actually the emotion and the intellect and the heart all come together in, in Jesus. And picking up on the scripture that you quoted earlier on from Peter, always be prepared. Mm. So it does take a bit of preparation, yeah. like it would, you know, if you came to our home for a meal, we'd have to do some yeah, preparation. Exactly. And really, we got to prepare yeah. and be ready. And, and there's never been a better time to be living where you've got more resources at your fingertips to be ready, to be prepared. Um, and, and I'm surprised in the sense that we live in this digital age. And yet sometimes, you know, people are, are less prepared than people were in previous ages when they had far less access to all of the brilliant thinkers and books and resources, podcasts, videos and everything. So it, yeah, absolutely though, that's exactly what the verse says, always be ready or be prepared. And that does mean sitting down, thinking it through, wondering, I wonder what someone would ask me if I was to have that conversation. And you might just find, once you get prepared, that those conversations seem to crop up more often because actually <laughs> You're looking out for them you're, or you're seeing the opportunities to have those conversations a, mo a lot more than you were before and, yeah, I and, agree. and you're willing to take them. Yeah, that, that sense of being ready yeah. creates intentionality yeah. where we could just pick up on things that people say. I mean, the other bit of that verse I love is when anyone asks you, it assumes you're going to be asked. It, you know, and the question is, if you're not being asked about the reason for the hope that you have, that should cause a question why aren't I being asked? There's something about the life we live and the way we present ourselves to others that should spark questions in people. So hopefully it's, it's both being ready, but also being the kind of person who people want to ask. You know, are you the kind of person whose life says, there's something different about that person, I'm gonna ask what's going on. And for me, that's, that's the biggest challenge almost of the verse, being the kind of person people would want to ask questions of. Justin, thank you for engaging with so many different people, having these conversations and creating so many resources to uh, equip us to be more effective in telling the story. Justin, thank you for joining us on Facing the Canon. Thank you so much, Jay John. Well, I hope you found that inspiring. There are so many great resources. 
And uh, I was thinking, well, how do you say the word? Unbelievable? Unbelievable? It is believable. And uh, tap into the resources, tap into those podcasts and enrich your own faith and reinforce your own faith and be ready to tell others. Thank you for joining us on Facing the Canon. Please join us again. You've been listening to the J. John Podcast. To find out more about J. John's ministry, visit www.canonjjohn.com and follow him on social media. One doctor developed the world's first vaccine. One civil rights activist helped to end racial segregation in the USA. One botanist developed new farming practices supporting impoverished farmers. One former slave escorted 300 others to freedom. One watchmaker saved the lives of 800 Jews and refugees during World War II. One politician persisted to see slavery legally abolished in the UK. Faith, love, generosity, sacrifice, perseverance. Heroes of the Faith, the new coffee table book by J. John. Available now at canonjjohn.com.